Thank you. Good morning, everybody. That was awesome, wasn't it? I like uh, the bass happening there. I'm, I'm really honoured that it's 115 years old today, Kavali Church of Christ, and I'm here to preach. That's pretty cool. Well, for some of you will know me and some of you won't, so I just wanted to give a little introduction. I am Dale Kinney. I um, married Philip who, Kinney, who is Elsie and Keith's son. Where are they? There they are. <laughs> I was looking over there. Uh, he is their second son and he's awesome and quite spectacular and the best of the bunch. So, uh, and he's pretty cute to boot too. So, uh, but we have six children together. And I do want to just flick up a photo. My oldest daughter, Anna, just got married last month. So there is her and Anna and Ivan. <laughs> that is Anna and Ivan, and they are just pretty smitten with each other. Thanks, Ruth. Oh, here they are. And there's all our crew. There's Philip, and there's my sons, Ben and Isaac, and my little girl, Chantel, and Rebecca and Shara. So that's our crew, and Ivan and Anna. So we are very blessed. We are very blessed to pastor a South Central Church in the southern suburbs of Perth. And uh, I just hang out and have fun, really. They're, they're great. And uh, so God is good. And um, I am very privileged to preach here today and to share what God has had in my heart. And what he, um, just, I've had, a, I've had a blast this weekend. I've had so much fun. Yeah, ladies, you're pretty awesome. So, men, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna have to have some fun this morning too. Is that all right? Are you up for it? Yeah, yeah. I reckon they're up for it. So, Larry and Pauline, thank you so much for giving me the pulpit this morning. I know that it's a place of honour, and uh, yeah, so thank you. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, be this thank you that we can come together today as a family, that we can come and just hang out together, spend some time in Your Word, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I invite you just to come with your manifest presence, Lord, that we would have an encounter with you today, Lord. Lord, that you would shift mindsets where they need to be shifted and spring new things up in us, Lord. Just come against any distractions or any things of the week and we choose to focus upon you right now, Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way Whatever you want to do this morning, we just say yes and amen to that. We pray in Jesus' precious name. We all said amen. amen. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. It's the scripture that Pauline shared during communion, but it's one that we've been talking about all weekend. So I just want to share a little bit about that, but uh, the Lord and I were having a little chat early this morning and just had some more stuff he wanted to share, so I'm excited. Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to read from verse 18. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Or even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As I was preparing the message this weekend, it just struck me how special we all are to God and how much he loves us and wants to pour out his blessing and his presence. And he desperately wants us to know him more. He wants us to know him and the wonder of his person for us just to be able to hang out with him. And... uh, there's a scripture that says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine, the Lord says. You belong to God. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, for I am the Lord your God, and you are precious in my sight. When God looks at us, we are precious in his sight. He, he delights on us. It actually says that he rejoices over us with singing. And uh, for any of you who might be a little hesitant about dancing and thinking, is that okay in church? When it says rejoice in the Bible, it actually means that he spins around. So you're allowed to spin around. It's not just a girly thing. Boys. Yeah, and he rejoices over us to singing and that we are precious in his sight. 
So God is saying, I am God and there is no other like me and I have chosen you that you may believe and understand who I am. Because the more we understand who God is, the more we're going to understand who he has made us and who he's created us to be and the plans he has for us. I was sharing over the weekend that often we say, you know, the Lord says in his word, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But too often we go, I know the plans I have about me and Lord, you need to catch up. Yeah, we have our plans and we want God to kind of you fill in the gaps. But the Lord says, I know the plans I have about you and I want you to know me so you can then know who I have created you to be, what things I have prepared in advance for you to do. Because he formed us in our mother's womb and from the moment we were formed, he wrote the days of all our life in his book. And he says, I want this guy over here to do this and I want her to go off and do that. And I've created them special and unique and they're precious in my sight. So this morning I want us to grab hold of the fact that we are precious to God and that he wants to spring new things up in us. New things up in us. And you're not ever too young or too old. I'm sharing that if you're 60 years old and around that age, you're only middle-aged. Because a full life is not 70 or 80. That was for the guys in the desert. It was a, a thing that was put on for that time that a full life is right up at 120. So you know 60 and 70s, you're just middle, middle-aged. And if you're younger than that, you're just a teeny bopper. Yeah? So don't tell me you're too old to do anything. Don't tell me you're too too old. Oh, we don't do that. That's for the young ones because you're all young. Because I don't see anybody. Is anybody 120 yet? No. See? (laughs) So God wants us to to have new things and to understand that we are precious in his sight and that he wants to bless us and pour out his spirit upon us and to spring new things up in us. And I love springtime because it reminds us every year that God is a God of new life. And you you can actually see it. It's a visible reminder to us every year that God springs up new life and that he plants the seeds in our lives. And and if we water it and look after it and, and, you know, just be in his presence, it springs up. If you don't look after your garden, it just gets full of weeds, doesn't it? Well, mine does. Yeah? But if you plant that seed and you tend it and you care for it, then it's going to spring up. And I have all these wildflowers like what we have up here, I have them growing in my garden. I get excited every year because I pick them and I collect all the seed heads and they keep on multiplying. And that's what God's like is when he starts to put things in our life, it just doesn't stay as that one little thing and, oh, that's all God's going to give to me. Is that when we tap into him and connect with him, is those good things that he springs up in his life, they're going to keep on multiplying and multiplying. And you know, you guys, you, you know the wildflowers up here that people all over the world come to see. So it's a visible reminder for you when you see that on the roadsides and if you go up on the plains and you see carpets of colour, that that's God, he planted seeds. And that they, he says that they will produce after their kind. And so when God plants something in our life, it's meant to spring up and then it's meant to multiply. So it's not just God only gives us one thing. How boring would that be? Oh, that's just God gave me that in 1970. And that's, you know, that was back then, or 1980 or 2000 and something for you younger ones. And that's it. No, God, he's constantly springing up new things in our life. And, and it's, you know, when we come into this time of the year, it's a yearly reminder that God loves doing a new thing. He's a God of beginnings. My daughter, Shara, she's my 18-year-old. She's our party girl and uh, she loves to party. She loves just being around people and, and she, does, she tells her friends, you know, you guys, you're spending all your money on alcohol and whatever else you do. She says, but I have more fun than you. And she comes up and they'll be drinking away and she's, I'm having more fun than you. I'm having more fun. Yeah, cause she, and she's, a, she's a, a party girl, but she has such a vitality of life that God has put in her. And she says, Mum, I have a new thing that I want to do every day. So she goes through and she says, this is what I've done. I've gone out for lunch here and I've done this and I've, and I've you know, went out with this person and she lists the new things that she's done for the week. And I was sharing with some lovely girls yesterday. I don't know if they're out in kids' church or something. Megan and Stephanie, are they out? Yeah. But uh, they were sharing how they, a new thing they want to do, a new thing every day. And, you know, and that's not just for people who are young. It's no matter what age that we should be looking and saying, what can I do new? And if you do it in the natural If you go, okay, I'm going to do a new thing this week, if we start to cultivate that attitude of I'm going to do a new thing, then it makes new pathways in our mind, for one thing. You want to stay off Alzheimer's? Do a new thing. Because it makes new pathways and connections. Do something different 
a different way and it makes new pathways. And God knows. He doesn't want us to be all stale and musty and crusty. Yeah? Because you just get grumpy. Yeah? So he wants us to have this attitude to have, I'm going to have a habit of doing new things. Because when we do that in the natural, one, it opens our minds up to what is possible, but it also opens us up to the possibilities in our spirit of what God can do. And it's not so hard then when you see God doing new stuff to go, oh, I've been doing new stuff in, in normal everyday life, so I can do that. I can do that. So it's important for us to cultivate the attitude of I can do a new thing. And if we keep doing everything the same all the time, then it's really hard to be open to God doing a new thing. We actually end up closing off our life and we get hard. And uh, Ruth, can you show me? Show me the lake ear. Thanks. Have you turn and just back a little bit in your Bible tied Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 1 says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing, and the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. And it's, and it's talking about, and the scripture here, it's talking about when God will pour out his spirit, and that he will, and if you go down to verse 6, it says, And the lame shall leap like a deer. That's me. I was lame. I had this chronic knee condition and God poured out his spirit on me and I got healed up. You know, I, I could not walk without any pain and God healed me and I was like that where I was, I just, you know, when God does something in your life, let everybody know about it. You know, because you get a double blessing when you tell somebody else about it. You know, I've been in places where they're like, oh, the Lord healed my heart. I had this lady and we prayed for her and she'd had this chronic heart condition. And we said, well, share it. And she goes, oh, no, I'm just being humble about it. Come on now. When God does something like that and you've had a heart condition and he heals it like that, we're like, come on, shout about it and jump and leap about it. So I just want to declare today that God is good. He is good and he has good things for us. And he says that we will be like the deer and leap around and the tongue of the dumb shall sing and waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. And that's what God wants to do in us is he wants to pour out his spirit upon us and where you are dry and parched like that, he says that he will pour things into our life. And often, you know, under that crusty ground of our hearts and our spirits, God has planted seeds already and then hard stuff comes or, or disappointment comes or attack of the enemy comes and we've got those seeds under there but our heart and our spirit has become crusty and so there's nothing getting in there to water it. And I want to encourage us this morning that God wants to pour his streams of living water onto the parched ground of our lives so that it'll, the stuff that God plants in us will come up and then he has the opportunity to then plant new stuff in and new stuff will spring forth. And uh, this is actually a photo of Lake Eyre. Um, in the, it's a lake in the middle of the desert in, in Australia and, it's got, and it, it was in drought for over 10 years and they said that it would never rain again and um, it was just can I have the next one thanks it was just flat salt nothing happening nothing growing on the surface and they said that that lake will never flood again there's just not enough rain and it's and the rivers aren't coming down into it and in 2009 after 10 years of drought when all the greenies and said so nah nah it's not going to happen God started pouring out rain up into the rivers, thanks, next one, into the rivers that flooded into that lake. And they kept on flooding and it, and it, and it started to just pour into that lake here and then start, and it's just multitudes of little rivers and streams. And then, thanks Ruth, then this is what happened. That's the same photo of that just parched land. And then as the rivers started to flood, they flooded into the lake in 2009. And they thought, oh, well, it's just a one-off. 2010, 2011, and it just kept on raining. Hallelujah. Thanks, Ruth. 
And then all the birds and, and the wildlife just flocked to the middle of, the de- middle of Australia in this place where there was nothing, but there was water, so they flocked to it. And then the flowers started to spring up. There was multitudes because those little seeds had been lying under that crusty ground. And when the waters poured in and got to it, they sprung up. And this morning, I want to tell you that if, you've got, if you're thinking my land is like that parched desert and there's nothing really happening or you're craving for God to do a new thing in your life, then you let the waters flood in. Because God, he says, and I had this scripture from 1 Kings and, and there's an anointing on it. It was from 1 Kings about how Elijah, it had not rained, had not rained for over three and a half years. And he started to pray and the Lord said, look for it, look for the cloud and the cloud. And he prayed and, he, and they looked and he sent his servant up to the hill. Seven times he sent him up to look. And on the seventh time, he ran down and he said to Elijah, there's a cloud forming and it's rising out of the sea as big, just as big as a man's hand. Lift your hands up, men. Just as big as a man's hand. Look at it. And it started to rise up from the sea. And then he says, he says, watch out and listen up because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And I believe that is a word for you guys here, that there is a sound of the abundance of rain coming. And there is a cloud that's been forming. And over this whole weekend, it's been rising and rising. And I'll tell you what, watch out. Watch out. And God is saying, prepare yourselves. Prepare your hearts because revival is coming, and it is a cloud forming. There it is. There it is. See, and Holy Spirit, he's on it. He's on it. There is a cloud forming, and it's hovering, and then those clouds will get bigger, and then you watch the rain start to come. The spring rain will come, and then there's abundance of rain, and so he wants us to be ready because, you know, there is prophecy after prophecy about revival is coming, and, and if you're around listening to the prophet guys and just listening out, they're prophesying about God pouring out his spirit in a fresh way. You know, I have been in moves of God, I realized, in the 70s, where I had the Holy Spirit moved. I've been in move of God in the 80s and in the 90s, and then the Toronto Blessing and Rodney Howe Bland and the 2000, all those guys, so I can smell it. And anybody else, who else can smell it? You can smell it because if you've been under the glory, then you know. And you just want to get under that spout where the glory comes out again. Yeah, so I can sense it. And, and you know, Yongi Cho is coming to Perth in September. Now, that man prophesied in Sydney in, the, in 2000. I was in a meeting and he said, revival is coming and it's coming to Australia next. Because Australia has have never had a full-on revival. You know what he said? Revival moves to the, from the west to the east. And I went, yahoo! You know, we were sitting in Sydney with all these East Coast guys, but Philip and I were like, yes! Yes, that's us! You know? And, and then well, I've been in Kalgoorlie and we ministered here for you know, years and there is prophecy after prophecy spoken that revival would start here. And I just believe that that scripture about, from Isaiah 43, that God is going to pour out and forget the former things. Not that you don't remember the good things that God has done. And oh, I was back there and I've seen that before. God is saying, don't camp out back there because God wants to do a new thing. And if you don't prepare your heart, then you're not going to be a jump into what God is doing. And the things that God wants to spring up in your life, you'll miss, you'll miss out. And God doesn't want us to miss out. You know, there's people that didn't really get a touch back in the 70s and the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And God's saying, I'm coming. There's a cloud rising and my spirit is hovering and you can feel it. I can feel it. And you know what? It's okay that it's up here because I know that those rivers, they travel down. So Perth better get ready. And I tell my guys, they're a busting to come because they know. They know that it's starting. And I believe, I believe this weekend it started. You should have seen the ladies yesterday. Was that fun? Did, did you feel the presence of the Lord? Yeah, it was heavy. And I just encourage you men just to open up, open up and let God in. Don't just say, oh, well, you know, this is crazy woman. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, just open up because the Lord wants to do something new in your life and prepare you and start to flood a new thing into your life and to spring new things up. And the Bible is full of accounts where God is crying out to his people to listen to him, to turn to him and to see him as God and us as his people to see ourselves and our lives as God does. 
that we are already victorious, that we are already worthy, that we are forgiven. When you come to Jesus with just who you are, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to have it all together. Good grief. None of us are perfect. Even when you know the Lord, you've still got bumps and crumps and crusty bits and pointy out bits that you have to have chiseled, you know, off. And then God transforms us into the person that deep down we know we want to be. So don't hold back from God in any way and say, well, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or I'm not perfect to come to him. Because this morning God says, come to me. Come to me if you are hungry and thirsty. Come to me. If you want to know more about God, then you say, Lord, I'm here. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. If you are hungry and thirsty, and I know he's stirring. He's stirring some stuff already, isn't he? You're sitting there going, oh. Oh, I just want that, but you know, it's, I don't know if I can be bothered. Be bothered. Be bothered. Because you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. When I, you know, when I saw, God spoke to me from that lake air and how it flooded, and he said, what I have done in the natural is what I'm doing in the supernatural. So I am so encouraged when I see that, because it just, there is a prophetic word that it was like, what I have done in the natural, where they said there would never happen where it would never rain, that it would never flood, that new things would not spring up, that it was, you know, past, and that was just back there. God said, in the supernatural, that is what I am doing. So he shows us things. So I encourage you to, to let things spring up and to just go, oh, well, that was for back there because God says there's a new thing. There's a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not sense it? There is a new thing rising. I want to just share with you... Uh, how we start a new thing. Because sometimes we get stuck in a rut, don't we? Yeah, come on now. It's not just me. I might be a pocket rocket, but I still have days. How do we start a new thing? And I just want to go through the acronym of START, S-T-A-R-T. So if you've got your little phone gadgets or you've got a piece of paper and pen, I'll encourage you to write it down because this will remind you to stop being a musty crusty. Yeah? That God wants to do new things in our life and he wants to do it all the time. And if you want to stay young and if you want to stay happening, men, that this is how it is done as you, as you let God in. And so we start by stop blaming others. When you want God to do a new thing in your life, you want that and you just start to feel that rise in your heart and then don't stop it. Don't, don't stop it and stop blaming others. Take responsibility for where you're at and stop coming up with excuses to move forward. We have every, you know, we'd like to be comfortable. We like to have everything how we understand it. And you know what? God is a God of the extraordinary. He is a God of the supernatural and he likes to blow our little box of him out of the water. You know, you have not seen anything yet. Anything yet. I was sharing with the ladies that there's this lady, she's from the company of Burning Hearts, and boy, they're they are awesome. There's a lot. They're from England, and they, they, she, they just really tap into what's happening in the supernatural realm because we can get very worldly focused and just look at what we can see. And she said that she could see angels. She was uh, doing a temp job in this reception place, and she was typing away, but she was just being heavenly-minded because, boy, we can be earthly-minded, can't we? Just, I've got to do this, this, and this today. But the Lord says, seek first my kingdom and all those other things I'll take care of. And so she was being heavenly-minded in her workplace. And she said she could sense the presence of angels zipping up and down the corridor. And she said, and then this man came in and he was stooped over. And she said, oh, that poor man. And the Lord said, get up and go and pray with him. And she said she could sense the angels at work just pushing back the enemy, you know, because there is, a, there is stinky devil stuff. There is a devil and there is, there is a God, a heavenly father. And so you've got to understand that we have ministering angels to help us out. It says in the Bible, ministering angels to assist us, and they're busy. And so she's sitting there, and she could sense these angels up and down. So he goes over, and she prays for that man who'd had a chronic back condition for years and years. Bang! Power of God hit him, and he stood up straight, and he was healed. 
But she said it was because she could sense, she was just mindful of what God was doing and miracles happened. You know, and God wants to use us like that every day in our workplace, in our homes, in our schools, up and down the street and your next door neighbours, that he will speak to you and show you what he is doing. But you've got to be heavenly minded and you've got to get rid of that, oh, God can't do that or he can't use me or that's not for me. Because you are seated with heavenly places with him, the Bible says, and he has called you and anointed you and asked that you go out and do the Father's business. The Bible says that Jesus said that you will do more than him. You know, you look at the the Gospels and Jesus raised the dead and he unstopped deaf ears and opened blind eyes and stopped funerals and raised them back to life. I I love the scripture because it just gets me excited that everything is possible if we would be open and stop being so focused on just the earthly things. Yes, we do have to work. Yes, we do have to study. But in amongst that, I tell you what, you can rip raw through life. I shared yesterday about how Philip used to, when we were dating, he would ride a beaten up moped. I don't know how old it was, Keith. How old was it? 100 years, I reckon. But the dogs rang faster than that thing. And I lived with um, the Favises at the time and Phil would come to visit and he'd be on his way home. It'd be late and he'd be partnering along on this moped and you'd hear the dogs, ruff, 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 you know, and he's like, <laughs> And he would have to, you know, just kick him off because they were after him. And it was like the Lord said to me, I don't want my people to puddle along on a beaten up moped. I want you to be able to ride. Ryan, that Harley Davidson out there is pretty cool. <laughs> you know what? That is what he wants us to rip raw life through. On a Harley Davidson that makes a lot of noise and has a bit of grunt. Yeah, he wants us to be able to enjoy life. He says that he has given us good things. And he wants to bless us with that. And we're under the blessing. We're under the blessing. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he took every curse. He took every sickness. He took every poverty. He took every guilt and shame and he bore it for us. And he says, the curse of sin and death is broken off our lives. So you are under the blessing. So if anything looks like it's not of the blessing, it's a stinky devil thing and you can tell it to take a hike. Amen? Come on now, get excited this morning. It's good preaching. Come on. We're the Africans. Come on, ladies. I like that. You can do that, okay? Yeah, amen. Give your man a poke. (laughs) So stop blaming others for I can't move forward because God says, come on now. Come on now. If you can shout at the footy, man, you can shout in church. Amen. I know you sit and yell at the TV. My man does, boy. Especially at the moment, the Eagles aren't doing too good. <laughs> Did they win this weekend? Did they even play? No, no. <laughs> so don't make excuses anymore. God says there's a new day and my cloud of my presence is arising. And he says, let it spring forth. Do not perceive it. I am busy. So get busy with him. Prepare your hearts and deal with this stuff and let it go. You know, we can carry suitcases of junk around with us and we can't run when we're carrying that. He says, let it go. Let the disappointment go. If things haven't worked out the way you you imagined they would. And I know, I know how it is to be disappointed. You're serving God, you've believed him for things and then it just all turns pear-shaped. Yeah, it all turns pear-shaped. And he just got to let go of that and say, God, I don't understand, but I choose to trust you in this. And I let go of that stuff so I might run the race with you because he is faithful, he is just, and he's got you. And he says, let go of that stuff so that I might do a new thing in your life. So stop blaming the world. Stop blaming your circumstances to hold you back from what God wants to do because he wants to do a new thing. Amen? The second thing we do is take an inventory of our life. If you've had a hit, if you've had a knock or things just haven't turned out the way you wanted or you just desperately want to do a new thing and you want to grab hold of it, evaluate and look at what you have. If you feel you've had a setback or failure, what have you got left to work with? What have you got left to work with? What have you learned from your past experiences, your life experience? Take an inventory you know, because otherwise we just keep on doing the same thing. If you never stop and reflect of where your life is at and you just keep on chugging along, you're never going to learn from your life experience. And you can be 50 and 60, 70 years old, and yet you'll be no wiser than a 20-year-old. If you do not, take a check every now and then and see where you're at and what you've learned. And if you take a hit and you feel like one of those dumpies is running over you, 
take, just take a look and see what you have got left to work with. Because God will never let you go. He'll never let you go. He's always there. And even though life comes and Jesus said you'll have trials and tribulations. Tribulation means pressure. You will have pressure on your flesh. But he says, but I have overcome it. Just hang on to me. So what have you got left to work with? What are your assets? Have you got your house, your friends? There's awesome church. Count your blessings one by one. Take an inventory and just say, hey, what have I got left? Because God never leaves us or forsakes us. He never leaves us out in the cold. He's always with us. He's for us and not against us. And he has a future no matter what you've had a hit on. He has a future. You know, Philip and I, we went and planted a church and, we, and slugged it out for eight years. And then just bang, five of our core leaders and their family, just out of nowhere, all got transferred over east. And that just took the wind out of us. And I just, I just had our fifth child, Chantal, and I was tired. And I said, honey, I can't do this anymore. And, I, and so, you know what? We sent our people to all the different places that were left around about, and uh, it was hard. And I, you know, God, I've served you. I've slugged it out. I've believed you. I've lived by faith. I've went without things. And yet, why didn't it work? And, and, and I bless my husband because, you know what? He could have been like, no, no, no. No, but he loved me more. Because, you know, when it, you know, as men, you go, well, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is my work. And you can have your identity in that. But I, I'm so grateful for Philip because he said, you know what? I love you more. And so he said, let's close it. And it took us 18 months to rebuild. We walked and we talked and we yelled at God a few times. And, you know, and he rebuilt us and he built a foundation that was stronger. Because I can see, we, I have this book, it's called What I've Learnt. And I call what that experience was back there, church planning boot camp. What did I learn back there? And I encourage you, if you're taking knocks and you don't keep on making the same round and round the mountain, look and take an inventory and say, what have I got to work with and what have I learned from my life experience? Because then you're going to rise above it. And we rose above it and it took us 18 months of just building foundations. And some of the stuff we built on wasn't solid. And so, and so I was able to build back into me. And so I was stronger and tougher. And then God says again to us, 18 months later, right, you're in this church, but I want you to plant a church. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. That again? But just a seed. And because I kept my heart soft, like a big marshmallow, as I taught the ladies yesterday, if we have a soft heart, then when God speaks again to us, we don't shut it off and go, I'm not going there again. I got hurt last time. That was disappointing. You can go, you've let God in into those hurty places, and he heals you up. And I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful that I did what God, because otherwise I would have been stuck back there in that disappointment and I would miss out on what God is doing now. I have such an awesome bunch of people. I am so blessed with them. We're family. God just said, you know, because you can get hyped up with stuff, you know, rah, rah, rah stuff, and you have to look this way. And, you know, church pastors, they sniff at each other, really. It's awful, but we do it. How many people you got? Blah, 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 blah. And, and God just said, you, you've got a family. You've got six kids and now I've got a son-in-law as well. And, uh, and he said, just make everybody who comes to you part of your family because that is our strength. What is your strength? Well, my strength is my family. And it just keeps on getting bigger. Yeah, and they're awesome. We have fun together. We cry together. We laugh together. We, you know, cong around the church together and do crazy things. We eat we eat a lot together. You come to South Central, you just eat all the time. You come visit, you just eat. And we party and we hang out. And, you know, but if I had not taken an inventory and learnt from that hit, what, I, what, what have I learnt? What, is, what did I learn back there that wasn't good? What did I learn that I want to take into the future? Drop off the stuff that wasn't good and grab hold of the stuff that is. And I encourage you, when you're starting something fresh, and especially if you've had disappointments, what have you learned back there that you can draw from? Because some of it, just leave it back there. It's your past and God is doing a new thing, but he will always use your life experience. So I encourage you, take an inventory. And who have you got to make a fresh start that can help you? We need somebody on our side, a friend, an accountability partner, support person or group. Find somebody who can help. And you know what? There's somebody who walks closer than anybody else, and that's Jesus. 
He walks beside us. He encourages us. And his Holy Spirit is like a healing balm on us. When we're tired, he gives us energy. You know, and, and we can just want to do it all by ourselves. I can handle this. I can do that. And I know, you know, guys, you say, no, I'm the man. I can make this happen. I don't need anybody. And mums and ladies, we do the same thing. I don't want to tell somebody I'm having a hard time. But God puts us with other people. Two is better than one. When one falls down, there's another one to pick them up. And so I encourage you to, when you're looking at starting a new thing, to have somebody just encourage you along the way. Those lovely girls yesterday, they're like, instead of just, I want to do a new thing, but I find it hard, she had a mate to encourage her. Say, hey, I'm going to do it too with you. So tell somebody what God is saying. Tell somebody what God is doing. And if you're in a hard spot, go and tell somebody so that they can be there for you. And know that Jesus will walk with you and that he'll bring others around you if you're open. Sometimes we go, oh, I'm hurting and nobody knows about it and I just have to keep it together. You know what? That's going to end up, you're going to break down eventually. You're going to break. And God doesn't want that. He's put you with people around you so that they're able to help you. It says to bear one another's burdens. So don't do it by yourself. The next thing is for us when we do a start a new thing is to act in faith. So we're STA. Launch out into new territory and change our circumstances. We have to do something and we have to take a step of faith. Now this was going to be a short point, but God's kind of said in the middle of the night, now I want you to preach on this a little bit. So I'm going to talk about faith for a minute. You know, if you read the Gospels, Matthew 9, um, it was Jesus would say, according to your faith, be it unto you. You know, when people would come to him for healing or people would come for him for provision, he would say, according to your faith. And if you read Matthew 9, it's this awesome account of all these people. You know, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, she'd been bleeding and she had spent all her money on doctors and nobody could fix her. And boy, do I know what that feels like. I had a knee disease from the time I was 11 to 18 and I'd had operation after operation. I'd had physio, I'd had stuff, stuff in me and all this stuff and nothing had worked. And yet it was like Jesus, when I came to him, at the time, and just grabbed hold of him, just like that lady did. She reached out to Jesus, and she grabbed, even with the crowd all around him, pushing him, she just reached out and grabbed the bottom of his garment. And as soon as she did that, her faith connected with the power of God, and bang, she was healed. And Jesus stopped in the midst of that crowd and looked around and said, who touched me? And his disciples said, what are you talking about? Everybody's pressing around you like in the footy squishing, coming out into the train and everybody's squashed. He says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching. He says, no, somebody touched me with faith. Somebody touched me with expectation that I would do something for them. And he looked around and this little lady lifted her hand and says, I touched you. And he looked at her and he says, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. When we launch out into the deep, you hold on to Jesus. You connect your faith and you expect him to do something. Because we can have faith connected to things that are not good. We can have faith that I'm going to get sick every winter. We can have faith that I'm not going to have enough bill, money to pay my bills. We can have faith that our teenagers are going to be a pain in the neck when they t- reach 13. You know, the, some of the stuff that we say, it's like, oh, I'm just not looking forward to my kids being teenagers. You know what? That's our expectation and our faith connecting with the negative. And God wants us to grab hold and like throw out our faith into the positive realm and say, God, with you, nothing is impossible. With you, and it's like, it's a spiritual dynamic force, faith. It's not a you know, stagnant thing. And so what, you putting, what are you putting your faith out to? What are you saying? What are you believing for? Because when you do a new thing, God says, I'm a good God. And no good thing will I withhold from my people. He doesn't want to hold back. You know, he bless, you know, think about the Garden of Eden. That was God's plan for mankind. And that's what he wants for us. And his whole intention with that Garden of Eden is that Adam and Eve and their children would spread that garden everywhere. And instead, they messed up. But, you know, we've been redeemed and Jesus has cut off that curse that was with sin that was coming to the world. And he says, go and spread the Garden of Eden everywhere. Go and spread my blessing everywhere. But you've got to act in faith and believe that God is a good God and he has good things for you. He has good things for you. And if you're taking hits and you're worried and you're anxious, believe first as a foundation above everything else that God is good all the time. 
God is good. Say to the person next to you, God is good. Come on now. Another side, say, God is good. And he's good when? All the time. And no good thing will he withhold from us to those who walk uprightly before him. He is a good God. So we can put our faith out towards him and say, Lord, I'm expecting for good things. Lord, I'm expecting that you will just look after me and pay my bills. Lord, I'm expecting that my children, you know, the seed of the righteous is blessed and great will be my children's peace. Hallelujah. I believe for my children to be walking with him, that they will be mighty men and women of God, that they will be world changers, that they will shape this nation and the church for the future. And I tell you what, I'm seeing it spring up. You know, my girls, a couple of weeks ago, they all were in the worship team leading together, and it brings tears to your eyes when you see your kids. So I encourage you, parents and grandparents, bless your kids and expect. Put out your faith for good things because God is good. And the seed of our righteous is blessed and great will be their peace. And if your kids are not walking with the Lord, speak it. Speak it and claim the promises of God because he is faithful to his word and he says he's alert and active watching over his word to perform it. You know, the angels, they hearken to the word of the Lord and they get busy when you speak the word and they're sitting up there most of the time twiddling their thumbs because the people down here aren't speaking the word. If we speak the word, the angels come to attention and they start to do it. You know, and they zip up and down our streets and miracles are happening all the time. We're just missing it because we're so worldly focused that we miss what God is doing. Amen? And I have a shout, ladies. Amen. So faith is a foundation. It needs to be based on the truth that God is good. Romans 10, 16 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's word reveals the goodness of God. If you doubt that God is good, then read this Bible. Read through the New Testament. See how Jesus revealed the will of the Father. Jesus came to reveal how God the Father is, that we would see that he is a God of compassion, that he is a God of love, that he doesn't sit up in heaven with his lightning bolt ready to strike us and take us out, that he doesn't send trials and tribulations to just, you know, because I'm bored that day. You know, some of the stuff that the church has soaked up and then spewed out to everybody else is shocking. We need to get back to what God says about himself and what he says about us because he loves us and he is good. You know, faith doesn't come by hardships and trials. And I just want to teach you something this morning. God spoke to me in the middle of the night and he says, I want you to share this. Faith, almost everywhere you see faith mentioned in the Bible, you also find patience in operation. Faith and patience are the power twins of our Christian life. Hardship and pressure on our flesh does not build our faith. Faith comes by God's word. Tribulation, which is just pressure on us, builds our patience. Hebrews 6.12 says, Do not grow sluggish, but imitate those who who by faith and patience inherit the promises of God. It's by faith and and patience that you will grab hold of all that God has for you. When he starts to spring up new things in your life and you're going, is there anything happening in there? Have faith to believe that what God has said is true and then have patience to let your patience undergird your faith. Patience by itself without faith has no power to call into reality the things that are desired. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Patience undergirds you and helps you to stand when you cannot see it. We need patience. Faith without patience will many times fail to stand firm on the evidence of God's word. Just by faith alone, you can say, because we, we are people and we operate too often on what we can see with our senses. And faith is sometimes just does not work in our lives because we're, we're, seeing, we're not being patient. Faith speaks those things that are not, are not as though they are, but patience undergirds it and says, I'm going to keep on standing, I'm going to keep on believing, and I will be patient. So faith is built by God's word, but patience undergirds us so we can stand and wait for the promises. Amen? Do you get that? God wants you to know that today. Faith is not built by trial. Patience is. And I want to share with you, if you've got your Bibles, I want to turn. I had to screw out lots of different notes from my laptop. Where are we? If you turn to James chapter 1,
How am I going for time, Larry? I'm over already, aren't I? (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Write that one down, guys. That is a power scripture. Let faith have its, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is a promise in there that we will be perfect, lacking nothing, and that is why we can count it all joy. When we come under hardship, when we come under pressure, we are, our Christian life is not about embracing suffering, people. You know, we can hear such nonsense. Oh, well, I'm just I'm suffering, but, you know, glory to God. No, the glory of our suffering is that with faith and patience at work, we will overcome. Jesus says you'll have trials and tribulations, but what? I have overcome the world, and it is by our faith that we overcome, and it is good, undergirded by our patience. And so when we look at stuff, we know that we will be made perfect and whole, lacking nothing. So when you're in a hard place, go, I'm just going to let my patience, I'm going to stand on God's word, and then I'm going to be patient, and you speak good things. When your kids are messing up, don't go, oh, they're awful, they're little rat bags, blah, blah, blah. You say, no, I speak what God has said about my family into their lives, and I let my faith expect good things, and then I undergird that faith in God's word with my patience that God is good. Amen. Have you got that this morning? God wants you to grab hold of that. God always responds and and he responds to faith. He responds to faith. He does not respond to our fear. He does not respond to circumstances. He responds when we speak his word and we stand on it and then that faith have its perfect work so that we would lack nothing and you would be complete. Isn't that awesome? God's word is awesome. Amen. So let faith, step out in faith and let it be undergirded by patience in your life. When God starts to spring things up, let your faith expect good things and then be patient to see it come to work. You know, if you're standing there, I shared, you know, with an, you plant a fruit tree and you wait for the, you know, you wait. I've got this lemon tree in my garden. I planted it a couple of years ago and it was like, you know, this big. And they take time to bear fruit. But I've planted the seed. I've planted the tree. The roots are going down. It's doing stuff. Started to have green leaves popping out. And then, and then it's like, when are the lemons going to be there? I have to keep on going and buying the wretched things. And it's like, and, but it's like that with us, that God plants things in our lives and we have faith. And I have expectation that tree's going to have lemons. So I water it and I fertilize it and I pray over it and bless it. And, but, if, but if I was the same about the things that I have expectation for God to do in my life and I started to poke around at it instead of watering it and blessing it and tending it, then that tree's going to, you know, have a sad and keel over and die. And we can be like that with what we're expecting God to do. And when God springs things up in our life, we can poke around and be impatient. But, you know, that lemon, it doesn't have to try or strive. It's made to produce fruit. And if I look after it, you know what's going to happen? Those lemons are going to pop out. But too often we can be impatient and we're going, oh, you know, God, come on. Where's the fruit? Where's the stuff we've been waiting for? And, you know, and, and we're trying and we're striving. We don't have to try hard. God has put things in us. We've just got to let our faith go into operation. It's not striving. It's not working harder. It's just letting God do what he has designed us to do. You have the resurrection power of God Almighty in you. You have the DNA of Jesus Christ in you. And he says, you will bear fruit. So let faith and patience work together. They're the power twins of our walk. Amen? The next one is R, refocus. We need to focus our intention if we want to change our life. We want to make a fresh start or have a new thing spring up in us. We need to rethink the way we think about things. We've got a mindset about certain things. Let God shift it. If you turn with me to Colossians, I'll especially do this for Dorothy because she got a hold of this. Colossians. Colossians. I think that's where it is. Where are we?
can't find the scripture. It talks about it being a new man. Where am I? I know, we're dead in our trespasses. Blah, blah, blah. It talks about, I can't find the scripture moment, I'll have a look later, but you know about the new self put off the old man and the new self? I'm pretty sure it's in Colossians, if you have a look for me. It talks about that we need, when we're doing a new thing, we need to refocus and sometimes we've got to put off old things. We've got to focus on other things and put off the old man and the old self. Ah, 3.12, I knew it was in Colossians, right? Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do it. And then it's, yeah, put off the old self is what I wanted to, but put on the new stuff, put on the good stuff, and it's put off the old man. Now, I showed a, a, a gave an illustration yesterday that when we come to Jesus, we have all our stuff. And then God wants, has given us a new life in him, newness of life in him. And he says, put off the old self with all its deceit and malice and unforgiveness and hurt, and then let me give you new life. But sometimes when we've been given that new life, then we gather up that old stuff and we let it come back into a life and it wrecks the things that God wants to spring up in us. And I'm going to give you a graphic illustration, all right? Now, back in the dark ages, when a criminal did something wrong, one of the punishments that they would do is they would chain a corpse to that criminal. He was alive still and they would chain a dead body to his back and then they would make him carry that dead body around on his back and, to, and all the disease and the cay and, and the flesh would then spread into that living life. And eventually they would die from it. And that is what it is like for us. Is when we have been given new life in Christ and newness of life in him and all the good stuff that is of God and we don't, and you know, and, and we don't put off and keep on putting off the old stuff, all the malice and unforgiveness and gossip and bad attitudes, is that that floods back in, just like that dead corpse on, a, on that guy's back. It floods back into the newness of life that God has given us. When God springs up something new in your life and you pick up all that rubbish again, then it, it kills off the things that God wants us to have. Now, that's a graphic illustration, but I want it to sear into your brain because when you are tempted to get back into unforgiveness, when you're tempted to get into gossip and malice and unforgiveness, and you know, just all the rubbish that we know we're not meant to, remember that dead corpse on your back. Do you want that there? Because that'll steal and kill and destroy anything that God wants to put in our life every time. God says, I have made you a new creation, but you better look after that creation. So if you're sitting here going, oh, I just need to get rid of that, I'm going to give you opportunity in a minute to do that. Refocus. Be careful how you think. Be careful of what's in your heart because out of your heart springs the issues of life. Be careful of what's in your heart. Romans 12 says, be transformed by the removing of your mind and stop thinking the old way. Confess any sin and get rid of it and stop focusing on what you don't want to focus on and get your attention on something else. You can go, oh, I just don't want to think back there. I don't want to think back there. Well, that's where you're going to think. Instead, shift your attention onto God and what he says about you. Amen? Refocus. See yourself as God sees you. And then the last thing is to trust God. That's the T. Trust God to help you succeed. Trust God that what he has planted in your life will spring up things where they have been underneath and it just looks like nothing's happening, trust him to bring him forth as you soften up and let his Holy Spirit pour into you. If you're thinking, well, I don't have anything in there, well, then trust him to plant something in your heart, to plant something in your life. He says, I have, I have good things prepared in advance for you to do. And you don't have to try harder, just live smarter. Just live smarter. Stop making excuses. Take an inventory. Act in faith and refocus your thoughts and trust God. Be smart about your Christian walk and you will be victorious. When we're not smart, we just keep on going round and round the mountain and we never soar like eagles like God created us to. We never rip-roar through life on a Harley. We run around on that putty moped. God wants us to get to the end of our life and say, that was good. Boy, did I have a blast. Not to just exist. 
He says, you are created in God's image. God just doesn't exist. He is colourful and joyful and fun. And he has so much goodness and so much blessing, but we're so bogged down with all the things of the world and money and worries. And God says, just trust me. Reach out and connect. And when you connect with Jesus, all the power of heaven will flood into your life. But if you disconnect and you don't spend time with him and you don't trust him and refocus your attention onto the things of heaven, you're going to have all that power just miss you. Grab hold of Jesus and let his power flood into your life. Grab hold of him. It says it's not by might nor by power, but by the God's spirit. Let God's spirit pour into your life. And I know Pauline shared before how I was this timid, shy 17-year-old who was sick. And I, I didn't think much of myself at all. And God got a hold of me. God got a hold of me when I was 17 years old in this church. He sent me here like an oasis in the desert. So if you're sitting here going, why am I here? You're here because God planted you here. Amen. He put you in this oasis because this is a special place and it's 115 years. And so it's a special place you're here for. And, and you know, it may be just for a season, but you soak up all you can in God while you're sitting here. You say, God, you just do a new thing. And I've learned, you just say, yes, God. When God comes up, and he goes, you do that. Instead of going, no, no, I'm not worthy. No, no, somebody else can do it. Oh, they're always busy doing it. You say, no, pick me, pick me. And I did that in this place. And I've kept on doing, saying, yes, God, yes, God. You know, and sometimes you see people five years down the track and you go, what happened to them? Their faith is shipwrecked. And the Lord spoke to me a couple of years ago when I was actually visiting. And he said, Dale, they stopped saying yes. You've got to keep on saying yes. And I'm here because God said, you say yes. And Pauline comes and says, hey, Dale, you want to speak at Arise in a few years? Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Amen. And boy, I've had a blast. I've been so blessed. I've been so blessed because God is doing a new thing in me. He does a new thing all the time, but it's a new thing. And I shared that we are looking right now to build a school. That's our mission, is to build a school as a missional school to reach our community. There is such a need, but it's a new thing. But I'm flying into Kalgoorlie and God says, you go back and you build that school. And he just keeps on saying it. And you know what? When we're singing that stamping thing, I was stamping on our ground because we need land. We need God to open up land. So I'm stamping on the things that where it's been tried to be held back. And I know there's breakthrough because God is a God of breakthrough. So you keep on believing, you keep on letting patience undergird your faith and let new things spring up on you. And if you've got luggage that you're carrying around today, I encourage you, we're going to sing a worship, we're going to sing in a minute, I encourage you as we, we lift up our praise to God, let the walls fall down. When we lift up his name, let those things in your life that you're disappointed, and I know what it's like to be disappointed, I know what it's like to be disillusioned, let them fall down. If you have never... Ask Jesus into your life and you're sitting there going, I don't know this God she's talking about, but he sounds pretty cool. Then I invite you as, I, as we come to worship, I'm going to give you an invitation to say, Lord, Jesus, I want you in my life. I invite you to raise your hand and do that. And so we can pray with you because it's the best decision you can ever make. It'll transform your life. He created you and made you with a plan and a purpose. And he won't, you know, change you so you can't recognize, oh, that's me. But I'll tell you what, you'll recognize all the things that you've stored down in your heart that you wanted to be. He'll start to spring them up. You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. None of us are. But he says, come to me or you are hungry and thirsty and I'll pour my rivers of living water into you. Let's stand to our feet, hey? We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come because I know that he is here. I'm sorry for going over time, but you know, the Lord doesn't watch the clock, I don't reckon. <laughs> now, even if you are sitting right down the very back, I encourage you just to connect with God. If you don't know him, say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know the God that loves me so much that he would want to bless me and look after me and walk beside me. And you know, it, you'll never be the same. You'll, just, you, you'll come out and you'll go, I might have had a really bad day, but God is with me. God is for me. And drop off that stuff that you've been dragging around, those suitcases. You cannot run and run the life that God wants you when we're carrying luggage. It's really hard. I came out of the hotel room with all this stuff and I'm thinking, boy, if you're carrying that all around, you would be exhausted. Some of you are exhausted. Some of you are so tired. Men, 
You're so tired. You've been carrying the weight and load of financial stuff for your family and provision. And God says, let the load drop because I am with you and I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And trust Him. Trust Him and He will look after you. He will look after your family. So I encourage you, let the load drop. And I'm going to ask if anybody wants to come forward for prayer that you do that because God is here. And when we lay hands on, you know, God is here. It's like, I have faith for that. And power goes out. And the Holy Spirit's here and he's just floating around, you know. Don't go from this place full of burdens. Say, Jesus, I just need more of you. Let's worship him. Can we we have a singer up here? Somebody. Let's just pray for a minute. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come now. Come now with your presence, that we would know that you're in this place. Lord, there's people that may not know you here today. Lord, I pray that you would make yourself real, that they would feel your presence just settling. There he is. Just settling. Let your presence be known. It'll feel like little tingles all over your body. That's just the Holy Spirit being gentle. He's so loving. Just open up your heart. Open up your heart and let him in. Let him in. Let him in. I stand at the door and I knock. Let me in, Jesus says. And I'll bless you and love you and restore you and help you be the father and the mother and the man of God and the woman of God that you were created to be. Let me in, the Lord says. And let good things spring up from me in your life. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts that we might receive from you today. We're going to lift our voices and worship. And then I'm just going to invite you to come forward. And let God move. He, he does his thing. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jesus. I'm worship. before we close, can I just ask that everybody bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give an invitation to uh, anybody who has never asked Jesus into their life before. And you've been listening and, and you're thinking, oh, well, that sounds good, but I don't really understand that. You know, we don't have to understand everything about God. That's impossible. He's so big, and, and we don't want to box him in. But he's standing at the door of our lives, and he's standing at some people's door of their lives to this morning and saying, let me in. Let me in. Let me take all the stuff that you've been carrying, all the hurt and, the, and just tiredness. Let me take it, and I'm going to give you new life. So just as everybody's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if that is you, nobody's looking, just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to ask Jesus. He's standing at my door of my heart, and I want to ask him. And just raise your hand, and then you can put it back down. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. It's between you and Jesus. But then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So if that's you, Just going to wait a few seconds and then we're going to close. I like to give opportunity because you just don't know. If you don't know where you're going when you die, if you don't know if you walked out the door and something happened and you, your life was taken from you, where you're going, well, you can know today. You can know that you can be with Jesus for eternity. It's such a precious thing. So just a few more minutes. If that's you, I just encourage you to raise your hand. Say, Pray with me. That's me. If anybody's not sure, you're not sure if, if you died today where you would go 
and you just want to be sure, raise your hand so we can pray together. Raise your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Just going to wait for a few more seconds. If you're just not sure, raise your hand high so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. All right, I want us all to pray together this prayer. And if you, pray, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this and say this out loud with everything in you. Okay, here we go. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I give you my life. I ask that you take all the shame, all the tiredness of doing it myself, all the sin where I've messed up, take it. I give it to you. I ask that you forgive me and you give me newness of life. I choose this day to make you my Lord and my Saviour and to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a shout of praise. If that was you and you prayed that for the very first time or you just want to come and talk to somebody, I encourage you to come and speak to Larry or Pauline or myself. And uh, we've got some stuff that will help you in that walk. And come to church. This is a great church. You know, as I said, I'm a daughter of the house here. And uh, this church is a blessing. Come. This is a place to grow and let good things spring up in your life. This is a place to raise your children in. Amen. And uh, bless you. Go forward and and. Let the good things of God spring up and multiply. Amen. Hallelujah.